Welcome to Bristol Water Podcast. This is one of the series of our B-Talks. This podcast today builds on the learning to develop individuals and teams. My name is Paul Ineson, and the title of this podcast is Motivating and Engaging Employees. It's a great pleasure to have a guest speaker today. My guest speaker is Lucy Hartley, former CEO of EDP Drug and Alcohol Services. Lucy has built a strong board and management team to develop models, systems, culture, and expertise required to grow EDP into a key player in the field. She took the turnover from under a million to over nine million in her time as CEO. Lucy also completed her MBA at Exeter University in 2012, specializing in leadership, and she was an appointed and honorary fellow of the University of Exeter Business School in October 2014. It's a great pleasure to have Lucy with us today, and she brings a lot of relevant experience in helping people grow, develop, and progress in their work career. Lucy, it'd be good to just to hear your initial uh, thoughts on the subject. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Yeah, thank, you. thank you for inviting me. I think what's important to think about in terms of the subject, you know, before we start talking about what, what helps to motivate and, and um, engage employees, is just to consider, well, why do we want to do that in the first place? And it's important to do that from my point of view because we, we, we want to get the best out of people and people who are more engaged and more motivated are obviously going to work harder and be more committed and, uh, and give us the best of, of what they can give us. It's also important because we spend a lot of time at work and really we want it to be as an enjoyable experience as possible. So motivating and engaging employees will help them to have a better experience and that that in, in itself is a is a great thing but lastly it w- why it's important is because most people leave their jobs because they don't have a good relationship with their manager and they don't feel motivated and they don't feel engaged and if we lose people it's extremely costly not just in terms of the costs of recruiting people um, advertising and interviewing and inviting people to interviews it's just the time spent the time spent um, um, in, in, in that recruitment process and also the time spent in inducting people and getting people on board so we don't want to lose people we want to keep people engaged we want to keep people motivated so that they would be my main reasons for why we should even be talking about like this in the first place okay there's um that's brilliant i th- I think it's interesting because if you uh grew EDP from under a million to over nine million, I guess you'd have had those types of challenges from you know going from a small charity to to a, the largest in the southwest um, around staff not just staff retention but actually how to keep them challenged, how to keep them motivated and engaged were they were they the kind of some of the direct issues you were dealing with as CEO? 
Well, what what the challenges were, were the constant change because we, we did grow and the organisation changed. And, and that's the same for every organisation and not, not just that organisations change, but we're living in a, a, particularly at the moment, the context within which we're all working has changed dramatically. So the way in which everybody's operating it's had to change really dramatically, you know, in particular, lots of people working from home. And the, yeah, that, 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 was, that was something that was, was quite a challenge in terms of motivation and engagement because people don't really like change. People do find change difficult. So um, we were constantly needing to think about, well, what were the best ways to keep people motivated and engaged? It was interesting because I think one of the challenges um, we, we have at Bristol Water is in addition to the kind of change of the landscape and, and the unprecedented times of, of the COVID-19 virus and the impact it's having is the water industry also has um, some really tough conditions from off what, which means that in a way, you know, we, we need to even work harder at keeping people engaged and uh embracing change and i think that's always a challenge as you said so do you have any um kind of thoughts around what worked or and, and in your experience and leadership kind of how to help people through that yeah i mean we had the same we had um a number of regulators that um would um inspect our services and and have standards that we had to meet and also a lot of what we did was through contracts. So we had targets that we had to meet in terms of our contracts, but it's funded through contracts. Um, and and I, I, I think what's important is that people do really understand those things, that people that are working for you understand why you're asking them to do what, what they're having to do, particularly in terms of those sort of regulators and, and you know, contractual requirements. Because otherwise it can it can just feel like I'm being told to do all these things and and I don't really understand why and people being increasingly told to do more and more I mean I guess I've got I guess I've got about five tips in terms of you know what does keep people motivated and and really w would it be helpful for me to talk about those yes that, that would be brilliant because I think yes. I think I think that's I think that's I, I, what, thinking about the five things. I think that's um, that's one of them. Really, is about communication. So, in order to keep people motivated and keep people engaged, it's really important to to communicate, particularly about why we're doing what we're doing. I think it's important to remember what it was like you know when we weren't managers so you know I worked for a long time not as a manager and I've worked in a number of organizations you know worked in the NHS for example which is you know big organization quite bureaucratic and I do remember that experience of so often just getting an email and being told oh you've got to do this now but not really being very engaged with what that was about, why I had to do it, and what the organisation was moving towards, what the particular vision of the organisation was. So 
that continual communication, particularly at times of change, about you know why we're doing what we're doing, um, and not not just emails as well. I think face to face communication, picking up the telephone, is really really helpful because people do get completely bombarded by emails and 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 sometimes they're not that clear in terms of um you know what we're asking people to do or, or they can be misinterpreted so 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 my my number one tip would be about communication my number okay. one tip would be about giving people autonomy um there's so much evidence that that tells us that when you know people feel that they have some control and they have some autonomy that they feel better and they enjoy things more so it's important that we, we we obviously have to be really clear with people about what it is we do expect of them what we want them to do what they need to achieve what the targets are but once they have that broad framework it's really important, I think, that people do feel a certain amount of autonomy and where we can, and we can't always do this a lot, but where we can, we give people as much control as possible. So that's my second tip. The first is communication. The second is autonomy. Shall I go on or do you want to ask me anything about that? No, I'm, I'm just really curious um, because, it, you know, most people now have had a period of, of working from home for six, eight weeks. So that autonomy, it feels different for a lot of people. It, it doesn't feel the same. And I think one of the challenges is when people have autonomy and they're working from home is how do we, you know, do we need to measure it? Or is it, it do we just kind of leave that accountability to, to the employee? Um, and, and at the same time with that, how do we, how do we provide some motivation um, so that the autonomy isn't too overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I don't think it's a complete autonomy in terms of nothing being measured. I think what's important is that there's a clear, some clear broad targets. Um, and, you know, that's really clear. People are really clear about what those expectations are. But what's difficult for people, I think, is where they have that autonomy they're asked to achieve this and then they're, they, they're bombarded with other demands and other emails and, oh, we want you to do this now, we want you to do that now. And I think that's something just to be really careful about, to get those um, expectations very clear from the outset. And yes, things change and things are changing a lot, but to be having conversations with people about that change before asking them to do something different. But I think you also, think you also have brought up something very pertinent very now in terms of how, how do we keep people motivated when they're working at home and they may be feeling a little bit too autonomous and they're not feeling like they've got enough support. And, and I, I do think that it does require more investment from a manager at the moment in terms of, I mean, there's certain things that managers aren't having to do if they're working from home, but I've heard quite a lot of managers and leaders talk recently about just needing to be a, a, a bit more aware of the sort of pastoral element of management. So, you know, where people are working from home, they might be home educating their children. 
they might not have a great office space they might be finding it really difficult to not have that boundary between work and home and I, I think it's even more important than usual to to talk to people about how things are going and to and to take an interest in them I suppose I mean that 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 was going to be one of my other tips was about about the human connection about um taking interest in people that's over and above what they do at work knowing knowing the name of their partner knowing the name of their dog no know, just knowing a little bit about them knowing what football team they support what what they're interested in just something that you can chat to them about again I think that's really motivating for people if they feel that their manager knows them and is interested in them and is and is interested in them as a person not just as a an employee that feels even more important at the moment it does feel important to have those chats with people but also to understand what challenges they are facing because um, it's you know some people love working at home and some people find it really really difficult that might be to do with quite practical things but it it you know just might be to do with the sort of person they are and how much they need that, that social contact so just building on that point i i think it's interesting because i think you know you're talking about providing a, a stronger kind of social emotional relationship uh, between i think not only between managers and their teams but also between colleagues and i think that I, I i'm just curious what your thoughts are regarding the trade-off because traditionally you know the water companies and bristol water we they are we are quite task focused um and a lot of managers and, and just everybody's staff get a, get a lot of tasks to achieve to do as, as part of the process of their jobs so how does that you know what do you see as a trade-off because once you become more supportive you know then i guess there's is there still the emphasis on uh, performance and on outcomes uh, or do we have to kind of give more slack in the system to and and like let people have the autonomy um and have more give and take well i mean it, yeah it, it it's a it's a balance isn't it and i mean interestingly talking to some managers and leaders at the moment there some people have been quite surprised at what people have come forward with and managed to achieve given that autonomy that there's you know, some people will perform much better if they have a little bit more autonomy or if a little bit more interest is shown in them but it, it is always a trade-off and it is always a balance that has to be struck because I mean, certainly for me, I mean, one of the things I did when I, when I was doing the MBA at Exeter University is I did a, a piece of first person action research where I was um, wanting to see how, what the difference would be if I um, put some time aside every day to reflect on how I was working and, 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 kept, and I also kept a journal during that time. And I just wanted to see what the difference um what what difference that would make um and, and i could talk a little bit more about that you know the importance of that reflection as well but but one of the things that i noticed about myself was i mean as a chief executive i i always had too much to do i could have worked 24 hours a day and i and i am quite a doer and i am quite task focused and one of the things i realized in that 
reflection was that I, I, I would often see, you know, somebody coming into my office and wanting to talk about something or somebody wanting to talk longer, you know, while I was making a cup of tea or somebody phoning me up and staff, you know, making demands on me. I would often see that as interfering with what I was doing. I think my mistake there, and certainly what I saw from just having more reflection on what was happening, my mistake there was not recognising that my management of people was part of what I needed to do. That was part of my job. And if I didn't do that, then there would be repercussions. And, And what was useful about doing that reflection was I could, because I was looking in a bit more detail at what was happening I could actually go back and see that there were conversations that I'd had with people that had really changed something later on and that if I hadn't had that conversation with somebody that there could have been some problems that would have ended up taking more of my time and that that's the thing that we have to remember is when when people aren't engaged not motivated and want to leave want to leave aren't performing well it can take up an awful lot of our time. So it is an investment that I think is worth making. So what I'm also hearing you um, emphasise is, you know, you talked earlier about the importance of communicating and directly communicating rather than just via email. So I guess one of the things you're touching on there about that time is when somebody comes to see you, you, you know, it's, it's, being attentive and it's, it's having those listening skills that really uh, value the person and what they're talking about and, and not just acknowledging it, but actually, I guess, adding extra value to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, it's interesting when you, you know, doing that MBA and you read about different leaders and, you know, who's what successful leaders do, that there's a lot written about how, really successful leaders where the experience of people who they meet is that they they feel like when that leader is talking to them they're the most important person in the world and and you know that's a challenge can you know can we talk to somebody it only needs to be for five minutes but when we're talking to them we really are giving them that level of attention that we they are feeling important I think we all know if we just think think about our lives and think about people we've met that that people who do give us that sort of quality of attention and and do do really listen it I mean that they, they those people mean a lot to us and they will get our loyalty and they are people that we'd want to work for and they are people that help us feel a bit more motivated and engaged. And I, I would then imagine if, you know, with that approach, then it, it just helps build that trust. And at Bristol Water, uh, trust and trustworthiness is one of our key values. And I know that, you know, it can take time to build up trust. People want to get to know somebody. So um, some of the things you've talked about through getting to know your people, um, giving them autonomy uh, to let them to let them kind of think about how they, how they want to work and what they, they need you know, their achievements, um, all build into that human connection, really. Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, the other things I'd say, so, you know, out of the sort of five tips, things that we have to do, 
well things that I think are helpful is you know giving people autonomy obviously within within reason and within boundaries um good communication having that human connection I mean the, the other two things that I think are really important is is also getting to understand how people work so understanding what their particular drivers are what their learning style is you know what their development needs are I think that's a bit different from that human connection where you might know the name of their dog is just understanding you know what is it that that particular what would motivate that particular person I mean one one of the things that I would do when I first started managing them is have a conversation about that you know what's your experience of management what's you know what's been good for you about management what's not been good what what will really help to motivate you and what doesn't help you and that that will be different with different people so I think there's that you know getting to know how people operate um, as well as that you know getting to know them as a person and, and lastly I think that the other thing that is really important is that we do tell people that when they've done a good job and we can praise people and obviously we need to give people all sorts of feedback and it it might not always be really positive feedback but people do we all need to have positive feedback and I mean I've I've you know there's been studies that have done saying you know for every sort of constructive criticism you make of someone you probably need to to to, to do between give them a between another two and another four positive things because we're, we can all be very self-critical and if somebody says to us something negative we are more likely to go away remembering that negative thing even if they've said something positive so actually we have to really we have to really um have the weight tipped towards the positive even when we're saying something you know that, that might feel a bit more critical and giving that sort of constructive feedback people do need praise and they do need thanks as well how did that work um when you do it upwards it's, it's one of the things we're working on in our company and uh, one of our behavioral competencies for the future is looking at constructive challenge so um you know it's sometimes more challenging for people perhaps who are low down in a, in a role to, to give that constructive feedback uh, have you got have you got thoughts or experience on that well i guess it is about the sort of culture that is created in the organization that i i guess where managers are are really wanting to listen and, and interested and, and receptive to that sort of feedback then it's much less threatening and scary thing to do it's difficult to give feedback to somebody who essentially has got power over you uh, and, and could in you know what happens to you know what happens but I, I think if that message is given out that you know we want to hear how it is and we 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 genuinely want that feedback and um and, and, you know people are reminded of that I, th- I think that's one way of tackling it and was it one of the um successes of the culture of, of the charity edp did you notice um in your time as ceo a, a change around that culture to to uh, i guess allow that real openness trustworthiness constructive challenge um 
to flourish rather than rather than just be uh, a kind of symbol on the wall yeah I, I mean i would I would hope so, and certainly people would say that they felt that it was very open and very transparent and and they could say things and and I suppose it's something that happens over time because yeah you're right, symbol on the wall or somebody you know new chief exec comes in and say i'm really interested and i'm going to be really transparent, and people will want to see that happen first. They'll, that, you know, they'll want to have some evidence that that, that they're not going to be there's not going to be anything punitive because they've said what it is they think and what it is they want. Okay, so that's part of that journey um, to bring people along to kind of believe and and walk the talk as well as um, I guess as well as have the autonomy to kind of you know deliver what they need to deliver as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's great. Um, uh, thank you. I mean, you've covered five critical points and, uh, and I think they're probably even more relevant due to the kind of circumstances we're, we're working in. Um, are just, there any final just, thoughts? Yeah. Just, just um, coming back to the thing about reflection. Um, there's, there's, there's actually a, a really interesting, uh, probably everybody's, too busy but if anybody did want to read it really interesting um uh piece that was i mean it was published sort of early i think 2003 um by jonathan gosling and henry mintzberg henry mintzberg is a um writes a lot about management and jonathan gosling was was professor of leadership at Exeter university and they wrote a really interesting um piece about it was called the five minds of a manager and they 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 talked about how managers um, don't just. It's really important that managers have this dual function of firstly accomplishing things, but also thinking about things. So they talk about the importance of both those things, and they talk about these five mindsets that they think are really fundamental for for any manager and any any leader. So they talk about the the analytic mindset, where the you know the focus is on the organisation, the the collaborative mindset with a focus on relationships, a worldly mindset with a focus on the context, an, an action mindset with a focus on change, and also a reflective mindset with a focus on self. And they 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 say that um, managers need to do all those things. And, and I think that's true. I think action without reflection is is will will, all, will only go so far um, in terms of being able to develop things and change things and and um, you know progress what we want to progress. I mean, particularly in a world that's changing so much. But but you know, similarly. Um, reflection will only go so far and you know we can probably point to organizations that we think spend too much time reflecting and planning and organizations that spend too much time just doing that it's it's a really good paper talking about how both those things and all those mindsets are important do you think uh there's one of those mindsets is more in the foreground now given given that you know, we are in different times and given that I, I think, you know, there has been a little bit of a, a change of mindset, uh, you know, a, across 
organizations, but also from employees who might be saying, well, I can work from home now, and, and this does work quite well, and it is successful. Um, and it, it does require, you know, new skills and, and a new, but a new way of, of thinking about things. So um, from that, that paper, would you say that there's a mindset you would, you would ask people and managers to think about more or develop more? Well, I, I, I guess I guess being adaptable and being flexible is is really crucial at the moment. And I mean, history tells us that organisations that aren't flexible and aren't adaptable and can't change that, that they don't fare well historically. Um, and we've seen we've seen all sorts of examples of where you know organisations have adapted. We've got gin making gin companies making. Um, hand sanitizer and we've got car manufacturers making ventilators and you know that those companies will survive because they've they've been able to adapt and i think um i i think it's i think it's you know what this has really shown us is you know who, who can adapt and and who can't adapt and, and i mean interestingly talking to managers and leaders have been running online seminars for people talking about this situation and it's what some people have said is they've they've been surprised at who has adapted and who hasn't and they they find found that people who you know are, are so focused on we've got to do things in this way and we've got to work in this way have actually really really struggled Whereas people who've been a little bit more open um, ha- have been able to adapt and have been able to come forward with solutions. And, and yeah, there's been some surprises there. I don't know whether there've been surprises in Bristol Water, but, um, you know, that, that's really interesting. It's really interesting, um, ju- you know, just, just to notice who's able to do those things. And, and it feels like it is a, a really important competence for a manager to have that flexibility and adaptability in you know this rapidly changing environment because you know where we are at the moment is it's not going to stop anytime soon we're not just going to come out of lockout we've still got this virus going around so um, people are having to change and rethink things all the time I think that's really interesting I, th- I think it's uh you know, it also speaks to that um, ability to, to be able to manage uncertainty and ambiguity. And, yeah. I, and I think one of the things I've noticed uh, in my own life is, you know, if, if you, when you adapt, you also let go of, of your predictions of what the future might exactly look like. And, and you, yeah. you know, there's always that fear as well. And I think you have to be, um, whether you're a manager or, or not, whether, you know, you, you're a staff individual person um, or CEO, I think it's something that is, is challenging because we like to predict our future. So when we uh, adapt and we say, well, you know, we'll see what's out there, we'll be curious and look. Um, it, it's, it's more than a skill. It's, it's nearly a kind of way of approaching life. And, and I think you touched on an important point that those kind of uh, approaches and skills and mindset are going to come to the foreground a lot more. So it's, uh, it's you know, it's great you've been able to, talk about it today I, th- I think that I think that ability to be with um, 
not not knowing it's it's incredibly challenging but it's also incredibly useful as a as a manager and as a leader and and and, and i think it's really important sometimes to be able to say actually i don't know um we we don't always have the answers and um i don't think it managers and leaders always have to know it all and always have to um you know can never show that you know they've got some vulnerabilities as well um because i think being able to be with that sense of unknowing requires a lot of strength and a lot of courage and and we, we all need we are all going to need it um in 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 particularly at the moment and you know with what inevitably are going to be a lot of changes in the future well it's um i think it's you know leading on to opening up a possibility of a number of uh, podcasts with you lucy um i'm sure I'm sure people, the ad audience would, would be keen to hear a lot more. However, I, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground for everybody to reflect on and digest. So um, we will close. Are there any final thoughts from you? No, just go over the, you know, those five things, you know, to, to try and give as much autonomy as possible to communicate well, get to know how people work and operate um, get to know people as people and, and, and remember to thank people and praise them. And thank well, you for inviting me, Paul. No, thank you, Lucy. It's been, it's been my pleasure today and uh, I really appreciate the time you've taken to, to give your advice and your experience and uh, hopefully we can, um, we can do this again. Great. Thank you. Okay. Bye yeah. for now. And good luck to everybody. <laughs> yes. Bye. Yeah. bye. Thank you. Too. Thank you.